So this is a little story that uh, Tony Campalo put in a book about that he, uh, I think, probably wrote and collected stories. It's called Let Me Tell You a Story. And um, this is how it goes. So once upon a time, there was a little village that was only ducks. <laughs> and every day, the ducks would waddle off to work, and then they'd waddle back home. And on Sunday, they would waddle into the duck church. And the duck minister would waddle up into the pulpit. And then she would read the duck Bible. Apparently, all species have their own Bible. And she opened to the passage where it said, Hear the word of the Lord, O ducks. You were created with wings. You were created to be free, to mount with your wings like eagles, not confined by any walls, but to fly free. And all the ducks sitting in their proper pews quacked, Amen. And then they waddled out of the church and waddled home. I think the Apostle Paul could relate to that little story. If you don't remember or you don't know about the book of Galatians, I didn't know a lot about it. I mean, I remember vaguely from seminary that it was about an argument about circumcision. But, and I remember that Paul was pretty mad. Uh, at one point, he, in chapter 2, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. It's the only letter of Paul's where after he begins with his greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, he does not thank God for them, <laughs> but launches right into his point, which says something about the way he feels. And in this part, chapter 5, that I just read, the verses excluded at one point, he says, I wish that those people who told you to practice circumcision would just go ahead and castrate themselves. <laughs> this guy's mad. He's really mad. Well, why? Why is he so upset? He has gone to Galatia, which, by the way, is a region, so it's to the churches of Galatia, not just one church like Ephesus or Philippi. And so he's gone, and, and to use another biblical metaphor, he has planted these seeds, these seeds of the gospel that say you are not saved by works. You're not saved by the law. You are saved by the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. This is what he died for. This is what he rose for. And this is all you need. Trust in that. 
That is what Paul has preached in Galatia and everywhere else where he went. But as he has planted those seeds, apparently someone has come behind him and to use one of Jesus's parables, has sown weed seeds in the field. And in this case, they have told these new Gentile Christians that they need to be circumcised, among other things, and perhaps, it's not completely clear, but perhaps also follow the dietary prescriptions and, and so forth. Because how can this grace, how can this possibly be enough? Won't these folks, without the strictures of the law, just go crazy? It could happen. There was a Gnostic gospel that was preached that said that Jesus was not fully human, he was completely divine, and therefore the body just, just doesn't matter. So just do whatever you want with your body, because it doesn't matter. So maybe a valid concern, but Paul says, no, no. You were created to be free. Christ came that you might be free. Not for self-indulgence, and I love um, Eugene Peterson you, in the message, does not say the flesh. He talks about, instead, he translates it as a spirit of selfishness, which I think, for those of us who maybe grew up feeling confused about our bodies, is, is, a, is a better translation. So, so being guided, are you going to be guided by the spirit, or are you going to be guided by the spirit of selfishness? And this is not why you have become a member of God's family, why you have become an heir of a, a, a child of God. You were not born to take on the slavery of the law, but you were born to practice the one law, Paul says, which all the other laws hang on, and Jesus says too, of course. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You were freed to be able to love. Back in January, I had a wonderful conversation with Janie Walker. For those of you who don't know who Janie is, um, she was the, she's the former co-pastoral director here at Richmond Hill, and she recently retired and, and moved out to Arizona. Um, but we were having a great conversation about the gifts of getting older. And she said that what she had found was there was a certain freedom that comes as one ages. It's a freedom to be more fully oneself. And 
it made me think about my grandmother and about what Paul says about this, this freedom to love. Um, my grandmother was born in, in rural Indiana, and um, she had a, a, a hard early life. Her mother died when she was two, and she and her baby brother were raised by an aunt and uncle who were very strict, very pious, and my grandma inherited a full share. No dancing, no card playing, no fun. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? Um, and, and she, I can remember when I was a kid um, that I didn't want her to know that I liked the Beatles <laughs> because Paul McCartney, or, or maybe it was John, I don't remember, but one of them had said, he wasn't saying we're better than Jesus, but he said, he was just talking about they were their minds were kind of blown by the fame that they were experiencing. And I, one of them said something like, well, you know, right now I think we're better known than Jesus Christ. And oh, my grandmother was just appalled, just completely appalled. And so I can remember thinking, I can't let Grandma know that I watched the Beatles cartoon on a Saturday morning. Um, and so, but I loved my Grandma. Um, and, and one of my best memories is sitting with her in church. Um, um, they sang all those blood hymns, you know, are you washed from the blood of the Lamb and there is a fountain filled with blood. We didn't sing those in the Presbyterian church that I grew up in. Um, but I would sit there, and, and I know it's how I learned how to sing harmony, because my grandma would sing soprano in one ear, and my mom would sing the alto in the other <laughs> ear. And she always had her big black pocketbook that was full of things to keep me occupied, you know, handkerchief babies or one of these little um, plastic things that you... You pop it on the bottom and the little animal that's put together with elastic, it's joints, you know, it does this thing. Uh, well, if you're young, you probably never saw one of those. But um, anyway, so she definitely had this softer side. Um, she, she, uh, she was a farm wife, and um, she and my grandfather spent... 50 years biting and devouring one another, pretty much. I think if they had lived in this time, they would have gotten a divorce there. It was not a happy union. Um, my grandmother really wanted to go to college and be a teacher, but she didn't get to do that. But after my grandfather passed, my grandmother went to live in a nursing home. And I think those were the best years of her long life. She lived for 12 more years in, in that place. And it was not a fancy place. It was a very simple place. But the people that worked there were very kind. I remember one when my grandmother died at her funeral, some of the 
nurses came and they were weeping. Um, they had loved her so much. But she really softened at the nursing home. And, and a lot of that sort of stiff piety just seemed to fall away. And so she went on outings, you know. And gosh, one time she even went to a tavern. I don't <laughs> think she'd ever been in one. Um, and she was sort of giggly about it. Um, she, of course, she didn't drink anything there, but, but just going in one was like, she was curious. And, and she played bingo. And, and, but mainly, I think, she just got to be with people. And so the most precious memory that I have of her in this freedom that she found at the end of her life was we were at her 90th birthday party and all these relatives were there that she hadn't seen in a long time and friends from her town and just spontaneously she had cake and there was a resident in the party who could not hold a fork. And so that is really the final image that I have of my grandmother, is spooning chocolate cake into this other resident's mouth. She was freed. She was freed to love. That's what her faith did for her. Faith being practiced in love. I don't do that perfectly. I don't listen to the Spirit perfectly. I always wish I could do better. But Paul Paul says that step by step we can follow, we can practice this faith. We are freed to be children. And it doesn't matter, he says earlier in the book of Galatians, neither slave nor free, Jew or Gentile, male or female, all are one in Christ Jesus. All are one in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm a storyteller, so I want to tell you one more story. Mm -hmm about what it might look like, not might, about what it looks like when a community practices that love. On May 1st, 1865, in Charleston, South Carolina, a group of newly emancipated former slaves had come together 
out at the racetrack, out on the outskirts of town. Earlier that month, or in the month of April, they had come as a community. One of their first acts as this new free community to disinterred Union soldiers who had been buried in a mass grave. They had been prisoners of war, kept out there in the center of this racetrack and the sur surrounding country club. And they had died there, disease and exposure. And when the Union Army came and drove the Confederates out of Charleston, they had hastily buried the Union dead in a mass grave. And so these folks, not compelled by the law, not compelled by a slave master, but by the freedom to love. They went out and they dug, they dug those soldiers out of that mass grave and they buried them properly. And on May 1st, newspaper accounts say there were 10,000 people. There were 3,000 black school children who came and sang spirituals there were preachers who preached and prayed. There was the 54th Massachusetts Regiment, the colored soldiers who led them. And they decorated the graves of those Union dead with flowers. The first Memorial Day. Freed to love. Jim, can we sing Oh Freedom again? Sure. All right. Oh. 